today is the day we're talking about everything motherfucking gay. Yeah! Welcome to Pass the Mic. Today we are talking about queerness and we have four wonderful guests to give their expertise on this subject. So if you all want to introduce yourselves, um, what, you wanna, what you do on campus or anything that you want to talk about related to yourself, just go ahead. Howdy. My name is Allison. If you don't already know me, I am a little poli-sci wanderer around U of M. I'm a senior. When I'm not spending my time crying or screaming about politics, I like to draw. I like to basically rant and scream about basically being gay and black on this campus. And I work at the library, so feel free to hit me up. What up? My name is Nelly. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I am a radical big bitch on this campus studying film and trying to dismantle its very, very patriarchal ideals from the ground up. Thank you. Hi, I'm Riley. Uh, I am a international studies and creative writing major, and I am primarily a writer, and I'm very excited to be here. I'm Emmanuel Solis, a senior here in the RC. I'm double majoring in communications and media and Latino studies, with double minors in LGBTQ and sexuality studies and Irma studies. And yes, I am very gay because I'm doing all of these things. <laughs> well, thank you all for um, joining us tonight. Tonight, unfortunately, it's just me. Anu is out, so I will be passing the mic to our four wonderful guests. But first of all, we're just going to start with the basic question of what is queerness to you? I know for a lot of people it's defined as many different things. I have my own definition of like how um, it relates to me. So if anyone wants to go ahead and take that, what is queerness to you? Thinking about this, it's kind of weird. What I would mostly say that being queer is just about like straying away from like stereotypical like it's like these systems of being both like cisgender and straight, but it really comes a lot from like white supremacy and basically like forcing these systems upon a lot of people of color specifically, especially the whole idea of the gender binary and just idea of sexuality and how it is in general. And yeah, basically like being like both like LGBT and a person of color, it's inherently radical in a way where you could just like um, escape from those systems and basically be your own person and try to tell the system or just tell people that no I'm not going to conform and no I'm not going to just adhere to your shitty standards all right cool for me queerness is definitely embracing sort of your own individuality I think it looks different for everyone and I think that's part of the beauty of it I think that queerness for me how that looks like is a stepping away from social convention. It's an ability to break out of labels that were put upon me and I'm able to then just live my own life as a person. Going off of the individuality that queerness brings us as queer individuals, I also believe that queerness allows us to have a sense of collectivism with one another, a sort of familiar kinship that we feel with um, like other marginalized people, whether it be because they are people of color, because they're lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, or just because, you know, they're not accepted by society at large. Um, queerness is also like the sense of freedom that you have, not only with yourself, but with, you know, your fellow queer folk um, that you just feel just like a sense of pride, you know? For me, queerness is my existence because I identify as a queer person that it's my sexuality, but there's also, in a way of queerness, 
a breaking of all roles because being queer is not just like a sexuality it's more of a lifestyle kind of thing and like once you realize that all of these weird rules and barriers that people just decide to put on you based off of like how you were born or like your race or how you look or whatever like once you realize that those rules mean nothing like there's a, a lot of freedom in living what would be considered a more queer lifestyle like being queer is not just like oh, I'm going to go out on Friday night <laughs> in, like, pasties and booty shorts and, like, talk like black women. Like, that's not what queerness is. <laughs> and, like, I feel like that's what queerness is represented as a lot. And, you know, just the fact that we're all here, beautiful people of color and queer are already dismantling some some major things already. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think... As I get more and more, more and more into like my queer experience, I realize how important it is to understand queerness like holistically. So knowing, like you were saying, I'm talking about like systems and like not wanting to fit into those systems. Because at first you're like, oh, this is like for me, it was like okay, sexuality. And then, like I said, as I get more and more into this experience, it's like, oh no, like all these systems are fucked up <laughs> and I don't want to be within those systems and also like learning how to navigate life when you don't want to go by like society's pre-existing rules for how you're supposed to live and so I think that for me as far as like queerness like I think of it like holistically so when it comes to like yes my sexuality but also like politically and like just socially like queer in every aspect of the word um that's how it's like defined for me and I think Allison you were kind of talking about this another like we're all people of color so we're already within like marginalized communities because of like being of color so how do you navigate like being of color and also being queer how does that intersect it's kind of it's a weird way to explain. It's kind of like a hellscape because on the one hand, you basically have to navigate a lot of like LGBT spaces that are very white and the kind of center around basically both the experiences of, let's say, like experiences of white people and basically it fails to acknowledge how the intersections relating to people of color and being LGBTQ. And so you can have to deal with a lot of like racism and basically a lot of exclusion in those areas. But at the same time, when you're a person of color, a lot of those communities seem to put like their ethnicity, their nationality or their race first and view LGBT as being secondary. And on top of that, there's a lot of prejudices either being, there's a lot of prejudices basically being forced on a lot of like people of color who are LGBTQ because you assume that, oh, like, being gay or being non-binary is some quote-unquote white people shit or they basically think that oh like you're black first or something like that so you kind of have to like form your own communities pretty much i guess it depends on like the context situation in which i am you know like a queer person of color i'm on campus it's very much different than if i were back home in flint michigan with my family and just you know people from flint but generally i've always just been a flamboyant like person so that's how people know me and that's how I like engage in the world when it is safe to do that. So I feel very much like it can be that in an arbor and back home. But if I'm like in an unfamiliar situation, I do have to like butch it up or like be more masculine, which is definitely like disheartening, but it's just like the realities that we have to go through as queer people, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then this kind of like, you, you touched on this too, Allison, but this idea of like racism within queer spaces or also homophobia or trans 
uh, phobia within spaces of color. And so, like, for me, I know a lot of times I don't necessarily... I feel like I can fit in in black spaces or in other spaces of color, but I always feel, like, less of myself when I am in those those spaces because I know, like, the idea surrounding, like, how you're supposed to act and, like, just this upholding of, like, heteronormativity i guess for you all like how have you guys experienced like some of the same things within your communities um and if so like how's that made you feel or like how have you kind of dealt with that for me personally my filipino family does not know at all i my current partner is non-binary which is something that would very much confuse them uh it was something that my parents had had to take a few minutes to understand, I think, and getting the pronouns is something that has been a journey for my entire immediate family. But in regards to my Filipino community, they're very conservative still and don't even like anything to do with queerness and gayness. And my little cousin, actually, I went over there last year and he pointed out a gay man and said, that's a gay man. I hate him. They're very religious people. So it was interesting having to navigate that, being in such a personal community that I've been in for a long time and have to hide such a huge part of my identity and a huge part of my life. I've been with my partner for over a year. Mm. And as far as they know, I have a boyfriend. Yeah, um, I definitely feel that. For me, my family knows I came out, like, officially last February. Was that February? Yeah, last February. And then, like, recently for national coming out day i just put like a thing on facebook for all the christians to see and i was just like fuck it i'm doing it (laughs) so that like now like everyone everyone knows if they didn't already know before and so i do definitely feel that same sense of like when i go home i'm like like you were saying like i'm kind of like two different people if i want to maintain my sanity then i kind of have to be two different people because i can't go home gay as hell and still not be like chastised for that or I even like me going home just my regular self my mom would just be like what do you wear why you got that on like stuff like that <laughs> yeah um and so I guess my question and I have my theories on like family and like queerness but how do you navigate like your family's reactions to it or just going through the journey with them because this is something like the mature side of me like realized was that while my journey to queerness was a journey, like their journey to actually like knowing what the fuck all this stuff means is also a journey. And so it's not like like, I'm, I don't have to be sympathetic to people who are homophobic, but this idea of just knowing that us getting to a compromise or a mutual space is also an experience for them. And so like knowing that while I'm upset at them saying X, Y, and Z, and then like not take not letting that affect me so much because I also know like we have to come to a mutual space like they didn't grow up with this stuff like they don't know it they don't have the education surrounding it so how am I supposed to expect them to like change every single thing that they believe in but at the same time like don't be homophobic that's not a pass (laughs) but um so along with that I guess how have you guys navigated through I know you were kind of talking hinted at hinting at it with your family like anyone else wants to touch on how you've navigated like your queerness within your family so, for context for this story, I came out to my immediate family over the summer. Um, and it happened in a very roundabout way, but it kind of made me realize the toll that, that like, telling someone about your sexuality or, like, your gender expression. Well, I haven't come out about my gender expression because I just don't think it's worth it. But um, as far as, like, the weight of 
coming out to somebody and like how difficult it is for even them to deal with and like there's a difference between like them just like being ignorant about it and a difference between them actually and it actually having like a toll on their mental health and well-being like I came out to my sister because she found my other Instagram account and was like asking me all these questions and then I was just like well I'll come out to my family eventually having no intentions of doing so but eventually she broke down to me and was like I can't do this anymore like she couldn't hold that secret anymore Mm -hmm. and and for me I had never realized that even internally for me I was also having that struggle but it just looked a lot different for me and like it was quite an experience to sort of have to now navigate the idea of being out at home but like being used to keeping so many secrets so like now I still keep a lot of secrets but like there's no reason to and so like I'm slowly unlearning what it means to like tell the truth and things like that um I'm also not out to my parents but also it's pretty obvious that I'm like very gay like my mom would ask me for fashion advice when I was like eight years old so like if she doesn't know by now I don't I don't think there's any hope for her um <laughs> also like very like clearly like signaling to everybody around me like queer signifiers like my there's my hair is very long i have earrings i speak like this <laughs> <laughs> but i guess in spanish when i speak to them i don't sound like this because i haven't learned how to speak gay in spanish yet but when i learn i'll definitely um let them know what's up but yeah no i have only really officially came out to my older brother david and he was fine with it and then my other older brother will swallow doesn't know, but like like I said before, it's like pretty obvious. So I just act how I act and it's fine. <laughs> that whole like gay signifiers thing is such a huge mood though. Like part of me, like before I came out to my mom and like she's the only person I'm really out to in my family, I'm kind of just like, what if I just like just like give her like enough signals where she just like knows but like we don't have to talk about it ever and so they just bring home like a girlfriend and it's just like oh okay like just like i would just be like really like angry about like lgbtq plus issues and just like i basically had like no like negative interest in guys whatsoever unless they were like celebrities or like anime characters or just like really really far away and inaccessible so it was just like that and so i guess when i officially came out She's kind of just like, yeah, I kind of could tell, which I'm like, on the one hand, I'm just like, oh, yes, it worked. But on the other hand, I'm just like, oh, okay, great. So the rest of my family, we'll see you on the next episode, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, I'm not out to the rest of my family because it's really like a hit or miss for any of them because they can go from like casual and tolerant to like really really like potentially homophobic. And so I'm just like, ooh, ee. For me, my mom was the same way when I told her she was like, I kind of figured. <laughs> and I was like, okay, girl, like, whatever. And, like, my, my little sister was like, oh, I knew. I don't care. My brother was like, oh, yeah, I knew. And I was like, okay, guys, like, how do we all know? And then my dad was like, this is a shock. <laughs> and I was like, dad, Dads are on. always cool. It's fine. Come on. But um, we've talked about, like, being out. But how do you see you, yourself as you're, like, out in various spaces? So I've talked about at Michigan, I'm very much more queer than I am at home. Um, And so, like, what does that look like for you all? And also, too, does anyone have thoughts about just the whole concept of being out? Is it necessary? Like, just how do you feel about that? Yes, it is still necessary to come out of the um, supposed closet that we're all in. I don't know where all these fellow homosexuals are, but (laughs) please come out. Um, It's important not only for, like, political reasons, but also personal reasons, and just, like, letting other, like, 
closeted LGBTQ plus folk that like, hey, it's okay to be who you are. There's like people on the other side that have like gotten through it and you can too. You come out like every day if you choose to or not choose to when you disclose your like sexuality, gender, whatever other queer aspect of your life to like somebody who like doesn't already know like that you're a queer person. And that's up to like every queer person's like own subjectivity to do so or not do so. But yeah, there's no such thing as like just coming out once and it being a one and done thing. You come out every single day potentially with like every single interaction you have with somebody. You're disclosing, you know, like a very personal part of yourself to them. Yeah, like the whole idea of like different spaces where you're out and then other spaces where like you would not necessarily feel the safest to do so. I feel like every queer person, regardless of how out they are on a daily basis, still does that just for like, you know, just like subconscious safety reasons. And it's like never, I never, I don't feel like the whole like going in and out of the closet kind of thing with like day-to-day interactions is like even a conscious thing. Like I think that's purely a subconscious thing because there are definitely spaces where I'm a very loud, very loud and proud queer trans person. And then there are some spaces where I'm a black woman. Like, mm. <laughs> wow. Like, Ooh, expand on that, please. Like the importance of being out is incredibly important. I feel like even if it's not in all spaces, but like being out in the spaces that matter are almost more impactful than being out in all of the spaces that you exist in. So I've had quite a few people come to me and tell me that me just being as open as I am helped them figure out some things about themselves. And like, that's a lot of, that feels like a lot of pressure when someone tells you that for the first time, but then you realize that it's just literally you existing and that's like enough for somebody. And that's like really important. So like, I don't think it's necessarily important to be out in every space. I just think it's important to be out in the spaces that where it really matters. Yeah. You're a role model. I guess. <laughs> so much I pressure. Guess. <laughs> Speaking of role models, um, how I've been kind of toiling with this question recently, but for me specifically, I was like, I want like black queer role models. Like I want black queer elders who I can talk to and be like, I'm going through X, Y, and Z. Like help me out. And sometimes it's hard to like find those people. So, um, do you have queer role models? Like, are there other people? Are there people that you like can talk to that are older than you that you can look up to, or do you see those people like portrayed through media and things like that? I'll just say that I don't necessarily have any in my personal life, but I remember when I watched Pose for the first time, I really gravitated towards Billy Porter, and like for me, Billy Porter is sort of like that queer role model that I never knew I needed Mm -hmm. until like I saw him for the first time and said this is exactly the type of representation I needed in my life just a very flamboyant gay black man like I didn't know that I needed a 50 year old flamboyant gay black man to make me feel seen (laughs) in my life but for some reason I felt very seen the first time I saw Billy Porter. I think more than any one specific person, for me, when I see a queer couple out and about, I'm just like, hell yeah, you're queer, I'm queer, hey, what's up? And there's just like, there's a solidarity that happens when you pass another queer couple and it's sort of like you acknowledge each other. And I think more than anything, that's a beautiful thing. And that gave me the confidence. I come from a really conservative town. It was really hard when I brought my partner home to like hold hands even because people stared at us. 
And there's something just really beautiful about seeing other queer people out and living their lives. Yeah, sometimes, like, I'll stare at queer couples, and I'm just like, you guys, I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you at all. I'm just so fucking happy. <laughs> like, literally, I'll just be like, oh. And then I'll be like, I'm so fucking single. But, <laughs> like, yes, I, I, yeah, that's definitely one of my, like, it makes me, it, does, it definitely makes me very, very happy um, just to see, like, queer couples out and about and just being free and, like, knowing that I can exist in that same way. Um, I could say something about specifically being, like, a cis gay male and, like, our relationships with one another, being like lovers and mentors and, you know, friends is very a jumbled mess. Oh, I didn't mention this when we were talking about being out and things like that, but I really came out because of this podcast, honestly. Um, this one? Yeah. So I, we started podcasts last year. And I knew that I was going to, like, be speaking on the podcast. I knew that I was queer. And I knew that my parents were, like, going to see it. It's on social media. All my family's on social media. So I was like, I'm not about to block all of you motherfuckers. Like, this is too much. And so I was like, damn, I think I have to come out. (laughs) I was stressed the fuck out, but I did it. And, like, I'm really happy for the space and being able to, like, just speak as a black queer woman because... That's who I am, and I was like, how dare I have a platform to, like, talk about these issues and not actually, like, be true to myself. And so, yeah, that that's why I came out. It's it, it's a journey, but, you know, it I actually do feel, like, so much freer and so much better since doing that. But, um, yeah, that's just a little story about me coming out. But um, uh, to the topic that we all love so much, dating. Oof. Oof. Oh, so many groans. And, um, what does dating look like specifically here at Michigan? Dry. There's not a soul here. Riley, talk to your experience because it's, you know, really miraculous what you have with, yes. with AJ. What you have is great. <laughs> yes. Fill us in. Y'all are so cute. <laughs> uh, I actually met my partner on Tinder because, you know, you can find anyone on there. And. Uh, <laughs> Uh. Everyone's out there, yeah. And we actually were in the same English class as well. Oh my god! So what happened was they found me on Tinder, and then swiped on me. And the first class didn't it like completely ignored them. Didn't realize it was them. They started talking to me. Realized we were in the same English class, and then we started you know sitting together. I don't think anyone knew Monica was in our class, and also didn't realize we started dating. Uh, there was this wonderful man who did not know and would sit in between us every single class, despite the very clear gay energy. <laughs> um, but I think dating before that, it was, it was difficult, you know? It's, it's hard for anyone to get out there, and I also think the queer community here is pretty small, so you know at least someone who knows someone. That's miraculous. <laughs> um, anyone else want to speak on... Your dating experience, because mine is not that beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is basically non-existent. I think I went on one date with somebody on Tinder, but but then it's like we never spoke since then. It's like I tried texting her, and then she goes to me, and I'm like, okay, that's fine, I guess. So like, and I think there's also like, I guess, to very specifically like sort of like sapphic sort of thing where it's like we don't know how to talk to girls, <laughs> and we're just like looking across like, ooh, she's pretty, and this happens like almost like at least in one class every single semester, and then I just never have the guts, and then the cycle just repeats, because if it's like 
if she is into somebody and then I'm into, like, if we're both into each other, nobody says anything. We're just, like, flailing. It's either that <laughs> you U-Haul and you just yeah. get married immediately yeah. on the second date yeah. or you never get off the app and yeah. never meet up in person. I know. It's like I'll try messaging people and then it's just like, oh, okay, this is fine. And then it's like, then we don't speak for, like, another two months or I just, like, swipe. And then, like, if they match, then I just get, like, almost a feeling of like dread like oh shit she's so pretty now i have to actually like, talk to her and then yeah <laughs> see i found it really empowering though because when i i dated men it was something that was really difficult for me because i felt like i had to be more of a like take a back seat role whereas mm. with women and female bodied people i was like i can take the initiative mm -hmm. and so that's what i felt was like really empowering okay riley <laughs> <laughs> see my anxiety doesn't let me um do that so yeah no, I feel that. I shoot my shot, yo. You know, my shot has been sh shot a lot of times. <laughs> and it backfired. It's backfired sometimes, you know. The other thing, too, is, like, when you're dating, sometimes you don't know if the person you are, like, if the person is flirt flirting with you or if they're just being nice, specifically, like, with, like, girls or, like, female body people. And so... That just happened to me recently, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like she is flirting with me!" Da, 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 da. Oh, love! We love to see it. <laughs> and then she was like, "Thanks, friend." And I was like, "Okay, oh. bet. All right. Yep. <laughs> What's up, homie? Let's step up." <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So I think that's definitely like one of my dating is is hard, especially too like if you're trying to date people of color. Just gay dating here, especially for like cis gay males, is just fucking annoying as shit. <laughs> All these dumbass white gays, they're all just like fat phobic, femme phobic. They just hate. Ugh, it's so annoying. It's also cuffing season, so like my desire to like seek out boys is just heightened and just not fucking working because everybody's fucking stupid as shit. <sighs> just annoying, okay? Listen. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. My experience with dating is a weird one because my first and like at this point only relationship was with a friend of mine and like now we're cool and we're fucking again so things are weird we love to see it but <laughs> things are weird but like in the in like this weird period now we're like i've been talking to people on hello cupid or like okay cupid and like they're living like new york i got Hello, ho was in New York. No, I'm kidding. I only have one. But, but like, Holes in different area codes. Yes. But, like, I've just kind of... Being in a relationship where, like, my partner mostly wanted to be monogamous made me realize that, like, monogamy is not for me. And, like, now I've been in a period of this, like, this discovery period of, like, what does it mean to, like, be in poly? And, like, what does it mean to, like, love in more poly relationships and like more poly just in general so like my experience with like queer dating is always changing and expanding because i'm always learning something new about myself so yeah mm -hmm. yeah fuck your friends it's fine if your friends <laughs> if your friends don't want to fuck you are they actually your friends exactly listen let's if start, it's let's start there yeah let's literally <laughs> it's annoying um no, I, I feel everything that you all are saying. I think that it's definitely a unique experience, especially here in Ann Arbor, where it's, like, very, very white. Going to, like, even, like, Necto, like, it's just it's very, very white. It's, like, it's fun. Like, I get my best life, but, like, am I seeing a girl that is of color? 
Rarely. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, so I, I definitely feel all of that. Um, but I don't know, even within the dating woes that I have and my whole, like, gay-ass self being like, oh, my God, will I ever find love? Riley, you've done it, so... It's possible. Role it model. Possible. Role maybe, model. Maybe my partner is in my English class, you know? <laughs> Shit, I have a Toni Morrison class. Maybe. <laughs> there will be queers there. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> anyway, but um, I think that, like, even within that, I still, like, find happiness, obviously, within my, like, queerness and just being able to, like, be who I am and, like, date whoever the fuck I want to date. And, um, yeah, it, it even with the struggle, it still makes me happy. But... Going kind of off of that, and this will kind of tie up everything, what makes you the happiest about being queer? I guess I'm like an artsy person, so just seeing like really cute gay art makes me feel good inside, especially with like a lot of like really cute colors, but that's also just because I'm a baby, so, but just like, <laughs> you also just seeing like nice representation, especially if it's like nice, like cute, like people of color who are also gay, seeing I guess myself reflected in that or even just seeing like sometimes little LGBTQ plus tags on Twitter even though I'm scared to post in them it's just like oh they're everybody is so pretty and I am so gay I love it <laughs> my friends <laughs> I love that we can be all gay together um I guess like you said friends and like the community that I've built is definitely like one of my favorite parts of being queer, like, because I'm, like, such a... Because I do drag, but also, like, I really like ball culture and everything. I take family very seriously, and I've actually, like, cultivated my own little, like, house family and everything here, and, like, I take that shit so seriously, and I feel like being queer, like, having that type of um, interactions and relationships with people has made me, like realize how important people are to me because I used to be a person who hated everyone and like wanted no close relationships but like coming out or like finding out I was queer and then finding people who I also who also were queer and then wanted to be friends with me and like really cultivate relationships with me made me realize how important it is for to have a good foundation of like people that care about you so that's what makes me the happiest about being queer. I think for me, what makes me the happiest is just the ability to love whoever you want to love. It doesn't matter what that looks like, and it looks different for everybody, but I think that's just such a beautiful, pure thing, and if you're able to find someone or multiple people who you love and enjoy spending time with, and I think with being in the queer community, you can find so many people that are part of your found family who can support you in your own journey being queer, and I think that sort of solidarity and that ability to love is just so beautiful. Oh, that's so pretty. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, I think I'm the happiest when I'm my freest self, and that just means me being gay as fuck, you know? And also just the idea of being queer within systems. Like, I really take joy in that and, like, being like, fuck the system, like, fuck all this white bullshit. Like, I like I, I feel very free in that, and I, I think that's something that I've stepped into recently. But, um, yeah, those are probably the biggest things. It's just being, like, like you were saying, like, you have the ability to love, like, whoever you want to love, and it doesn't even matter in that idea of, like, being so connected to people just based on, like, love, you know. Um, yeah, that's definitely when I feel my happiest, when I'm the freest. But um, 
Thank you all so much for coming out and ex sharing your experiences with us. We really appreciate this. Um, yeah, it's been a great combo. Um, we love queerness so much. <laughs> we love the gays. Um, but yeah, check us out um, on our next episode. We're going to have our Creative of Color coming up next. But um, see you guys soon. everyone so our creative of color today is our very own monica kim hello hello um thank you for being our creative of color so um can you just talk about like what you do creatively um yeah go ahead yeah so i um and I'm, I'm an aspiring writer i primarily write in prose but i've been exploring a lot more with poetry um and also sort of more creative nonfiction, but definitely feel most comfortable with prose and then like what topics do you usually um talk about when you're writing with your prose um so i guess the things that i talk a lot about in my writing um definitely have to do with my identity so topics of race and ethnicity um especially with like korean culture and how like specifically being Korean American and how I interact and how I see other Korean Americans interact with other um, people of color and obviously white people. Um, and then also gender identity and sexual orientation, but also like other random shit. Like I also talk about, I try to make my writing political and I, I do think that writing in itself is political, but yeah, I try to incorporate the political in there. Um, who are some of your favorite writers? I know you talk about like the political and I have a you in mind but like yeah who are some of your favorite writers i love james baldwin yes. i yeah he's one of my favorite he's definitely one of my favorite writers i love james baldwin i love chimamanda ngozi adichie um i haven't i've only read one of her books by min jin lee but she's also korean american i love her um yeah and then as far as like i know storytelling can be so there's so many different types of storytelling but for you and like writing specifically in prose what is what do stories function as for you i think that stories really humanize or give voice to certain topics so i guess thinking about this like i'm thinking about this right now because i'm writing a paper on it but we just read one of the books that i read from one of my classes was salvage the bones by jesmyn ward and it's about hurricane katrina but it's so much more than just about hurricane katrina because she only spends one chapter on the hurricane itself but all the other chapters leading up to it are specifically about the characters and so like in such a politicized um traumatic event such as that where we ignore a certain community namely the black community in um the south in new orleans um, missouri etc she really gives these characters a story and not just like a number like they're not just a statistic and I think that's what prose really does is that you could write a creative nonfiction, you could write a nonfiction piece about it but I think they allow you to empathize with um people who you don't like they allow you to empathize with communities you might not necessarily always interact with every day and then my last question um what story is the story that you wish you told that's really interesting. Um, I guess, so one of the stories that resonated with me a lot is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, which um, I mentioned her as one of my favorite authors. Um, hers is about 
this Korean family, it takes place basically like from Japanese colonization of Korea to um, like 80s Korea when Korea was starting to become more economically developed and stuff. Um, and so I like write like one of my dreams is to write a novel about a Korean American girl like grappling with her Korean identity and like learning about her past and like her grandmother and like her experience with mm -hmm. Japan and like her and how this girl like navigates and this like idea like she has a boyfriend who is Japanese American and like what that means for like her family who feels very strongly um, about Japanese people and so I really loved Pachinko and how it had all these historical elements and like family elements to it and so that's like a story that I really love that resonated with me that I wish that I could emulate in the future. Well, thanks so much for um, joining us and telling us a little bit about your writing and things like that. Um, where can people follow you at? Where can they find your writings, your stories, your other creative endeavors? So I have a portfolio slash website but it's not done yet so I'm not gonna plug that because it's <laughs> shitty but you can find me on Insta, Monica K forty seven. That's all. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again, Monica. Um, that wraps up our queerness episode. Um, check out our next episode next week, and uh, always remember to share, like, subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, and never forget to pass the mic. <laughs>